Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I want to understand how all of this works. Nash tells me it's a mistake to think of the science behind it, that it's some kind of logical reasoning error somehow to try and investigate the mechanics of vampirism. But it's what I am now. My body works differently. I want to understand how and why, because how has nobody put in the time to work out how and why? It makes no sense to me. Surely at some point, you know, someone would have sat down and passed it out. All that medical innovation over centuries of existence and human medicine, and not a single vampire has tried to push the boundaries for them, too? How can that be possible? It can't, it seems to me. It just can't. I don't care if Nash thinks the pursuit of knowledge is a mistake. He's wrong. If he can't communicate it to me, if he can't explain why I shouldn't do it, then why am I listening to him? It seems like it's just something he finds emotionally complicated, and that's fine, but it's not grounds for walling off this entire avenue of research. Even if I can't find a way to undo it, even if there's no way to turn me back, there are answers in this that I need. This is... Like it or not, this is the way my brain works. It always has been. I won't be ashamed of it. I refuse to ignore this instinct to understand myself. It's my body, isn't it? Isn't it my right to know how it works? Nesh makes out like he's a paragon of knowledge. Like, just because he's old, he understands everything so much better. Like, he thinks I'm just... Like I'm a child. I'm not a child. I'm an adult. I might not be thousands of years old, but I am an adult. I might be new to this life, but I'm not new to being alive. I've lived, and I... I've made a really, really dumb mistake with Nash. Can't believe how fucking embarrassing it is, more than anything. Like, Jesus Christ.
I literally cannot think of a worse way for things to have panned out, honestly. I am so mortified I might just shrivel up into a tiny raisin. At least then I won't have to deal with this. And oh my god, I reacted so badly in the moment too. Like a pathetic little child. Like he's right about me. It's so... Ugh, I'm so embarrassed. Fuck. And I've just woken up from sleeping off the horrible crying fit I had about this and Nez is just gone. Like, actually gone. He's taken the car, which he doesn't always do, but, like, I feel like he did that so I would know that he had left. And he's just... He's gone. He's left. He, what if he doesn't come back? What if this is the thing that... How serious of a fuck-up it... I feel like my bones have turned to jelly and my brain is melting out of my ears. It was just... It was just such a vulnerable moment and I... No. Context, context, context. Right. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I did that. Fuck. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. This is Not Quite Dead. Episode 21. Glass Houses. This is not the point of... There are more important things than my inability to be normal about anything. I've been trying to make a list of what I know about vampire blood and the change. So, this is what I know. Vampire blood will temporarily restore a human to full health. There is a limit to this. Vampire blood cannot restore life in the dead, and there are some kinds of injuries that are too severe to be treated this way. The effect of the blood is temporary. The length of time of the effect depends on the quantity of blood consumed and the severity of any illness or injury prior to consumption. After the blood wears off, first the person will experience flu-like symptoms. Sweating, fever, nausea, congestion. For people who have only consumed a small amount of the blood and who have normal immune systems, symptoms are likely to stop there. For those who have consumed higher quantities, these flu-like symptoms will persist and progress and then new symptoms will begin to develop disorientation, muscle weakness, shaking, fatigue, tachycardia. After some time, if the body's normal immune response doesn't counteract the blood and no further blood is consumed, those symptoms will progress into the reopening of wounds the blood closed, progress of illnesses the blood prevented, hemorrhaging and respiratory distress. Eventually, the body goes into septic shock, resulting in death. You can prevent this by administering further doses of the blood, but the body appears to grow resistant to its effects over time, building up a tolerance which requires increased frequency and quantity of dosage. And eventually, even if this is well managed, the effect of the blood will still result in an irreversible shock and then death. And let me tell you, it's not a nice way to go. I've... Casper... He came and took me out of the hospital before anyone recognised me after the half-maids attacked me. I have no memory of anything after the fall until I was waking up, the taste of his honey-wine blood on my tongue. Cool hands brushed my cheek. I half-opened my eyes. Casper was moving through the small room made by the drapes around my hospital bed. The pain behind my eyes was almost unbearable when I tried to focus on anything. There was something in my mouth. I felt this horrible pull in my chest felt like someone was tearing out my lungs. 
Casper was pulling out the ventilator tube from my throat. I coughed violently, my ECG bleeping violently. Casper pulled off my heart monitors and blood pressure monitors, and then his nimble fingers closed around my forearm. No, Casper, no, I said, in feeble protest as his hand covered the IV in my arm. He pulled it free and blood bubbled up to the surface of my skin. I barely gasped at this new pain. All of me felt like it was burning. It's just a brief, focused heat against the constant blaze of everything else. Casper dipped his head, his tongue a bright spot of cold as he licked the blood from the crook of my arm. What's happening? I said. Hush, I'm helping you, he told me. His pupils were blown wide, his eyes a shocking shade of scarlet. Come on, he said. I can't, I... Casper wasn't listening to me. He slipped one arm around my shoulders and the other under my knees like I was nothing but a ragdoll. No, I mumbled against his chest. This close to him, my face pressed to his clothes. I could smell it, that smell like honey and wine and heat and musk. Despite the churning in my stomach, my mouth was watering at the smell of him. Casper stood up, holding me close, and carried me out of the hospital. I closed my eyes, bracing myself against the slight jostles of his movements and the ripples of pain each one elicited. And then we were outside, fresh air mixing with the heady smell leaching out of his skin. Balancing me on his knee, Casper opened the car door and slid me into the front seat. I'm going to die, I whispered. Please. You're not going to die today. Casper slammed the door shut and went around to the driver's seat. I turned around so I could look at him, my eyes as open as I could stand them to be. Casper had a hand over his face. I'm sorry. Your injuries, you had internal bleeding. I didn't realise how bad it was. I was so panicked. Casper took out a knife and rolled up his sleeve. The blade split his pale flesh and red ran thick down his forearm. That smell, divine, boozy, sweet, rich, filled the car and I could think of nothing else. Not of the words Casper was saying, not even of the pain. I was keening forwards. Whoa, careful, Casper said. He offered his arm, guiding my chin gently towards it. I went without protest. My lips closed around the wound on his arm, and in an instant my mouth was filled with his divine sweetness. He was cold, and so was the blood, but it danced hot on my tongue and in my throat, the way good vodka tastes of nothing at all and then of fire. Casper kept his cool hand on my face as relief spread from my throat across my chest, unfurling like petals of a spring flower, reaching out further and further, soothing the burning pain inside me as it spread. After what felt like no time at all, Casper's hand slipped to my throat and he pushed me back from his arm. Without meaning to, I cried out. No, said Casper. He was breathing heavily. He leaned against the headrest, eyes closed, almost panting. You can't take more. I'm sorry, I whispered. I sat up fully, pain and exhaustion evaporated in the air. I touched my lips. My fingers came away red. What the fuck? I whispered. What the fuck? Your injuries, Casper said, swallowing hard. They were too severe. You would have died in hours if I left you in the hospital. I felt numb. I felt cold. What are you saying? Casper looked at me long and hard. There was no way to save you. I'm so sorry. What do you mean there's no way to save me? You just... I'm fine. Your blood is magic. I'm fixed. I'm fine. 
I was breathing fast and shallow. It won't last, said Casper. You know that. You've seen the effect of the blood. You've felt it yourself. It can help you heal, but at a cost. It will chip away at you. Eventually, you're going to die. We're all going to die eventually, Casper. Casper shook his head. You have a couple of months. Maybe less. Months, I repeated. I couldn't feel my hands. My face was cold. My ears were ringing. If I hadn't stepped in, it would be hours. You would have died without realising, without... Without what? I whispered. I thought you would want a chance to say goodbye to people you loved. I looked at him hard and cold. Casper, what the fuck? Casper shook his head. Sorry. It felt like the whole world was screaming at me. But it was quiet. I remember looking out of the windscreen of the car. A young woman was crossing the car park. She had a little girl beside her. The girl was wearing this little polka dot raincoat. She was jumping across the dark stripes of the zebra crossing. And then was hoisting her higher by the hand every jump. I couldn't hear her laughing, but it was beautiful in her expression. And the world was falling apart, and it looked exactly the same. What will happen to me? I asked. Casper drew a long, slow breath. Before I make this offer to you, I want you to remember that I have never made a vampire. I've never tried to do this. I want you to remember what you know about the half-maids, about the odds of success. I want you to remember that it is likely a process that will kill you. Even if it doesn't, it will be long and painful. You will never see your family again. Casper, are you offering to make me into a vampire? I asked. Casper put his hands on the steering wheel. I'm giving you the choice, he said. But what choice was it, really? This decision was made the moment I met him, I think. Maybe even before then. Maybe it was made in whatever weird confluence of nature and nurture created this person that I am. Someone who would meet Casper and want to get closer to him, not further away. Nesh speaks to me about knowing the risks of this life before I took it, like it's a privilege. To me, all it seems like it does is reveal the actual extent of my idiocy. Because I should have walked away. At so many junctions, I should have walked away, but I didn't. And I can lay it out. I can examine every choice, every moment. But now it feels so clear to me that it was all some kind of horrific... It's a misunderstanding. I didn't get it because I couldn't get it until I lived it. And what I'm feeling now, is it regret? No. But there are things about this life which cannot be satisfyingly described. The hollow ache of knowing that your future is now potentially infinite, but the universe has struck a bounty on your head, which means in all likelihood you won't make it through the next decade. Maybe not even the next year. What a sick joke. You roll the dice every morning. Are you going to live forever or die gasping, writhing, hissing, senseless and in agony within the next few weeks? And there's the loneliness. You don't appreciate how often you just casually see and interact with other people until you can't. And you can't trust yourself to be near them. You don't trust yourself to appear to be something normal, something that won't alarm them, something that will cause them to turn on you and hurt you. The bone-shaking fear that comes with the knowledge that if you are hurt, you become a danger to everyone in your immediate vicinity. A kind of unstoppable force, trying all you can to heal, but at what cost? At what cost? All I want is to be... I just... I want to touch someone without biting them. I want to 
I had tried to ask Nash to ask him if maybe this is why he does what he does when he hunts. Maybe it's all motivated by the rush of intoxicating flavours when people orgasm as you drink from them, but how much of it isn't, you know? He doesn't need to kiss them before, but he does. How much of that is because he wants to be held too? Does he feel that aching loneliness that I feel? Is it like a pit inside of him the way it is inside of me? But he... he can't. I don't know why, but he won't talk about it. And it was so clear that just to ask this, it made him so... He looked so... He looked so different. He looked smaller than he is somehow. He looked so young, and I could also see every day of his thousands of years of life in his expression. And then I said, Did you love Casper? Nej laughed, but it was a sad little laugh. I did, he told me. What happened, I said. Why did you part ways? Nej looked out of the window for a long time before he answered. When he spoke, he did so quietly enough that I had to strain to listen to the words. Because he loved me back. Nash ran his hand over his face. There were other things too. He's always been a miserable little thing, so obsessed with his own suffering, it got exhausting after a while. And then he started to refuse to bite humans under most circumstances. He'd bite them when he'd take them as lovers, and then he'd do this whole thing every time. I'm in love with them, he'd tell me, and I'd say to him, of course you are, my love. But somehow these loves were never happy loves. They were always difficult. They always hurt him. I tell him he should stop, that it was a form of self-harm to him to take lovers this way. But he either could not or would not see this for himself. He'd spiral and get so caught up in his obsession and self-hatred, and then, then, usually after just a few weeks, he'd mess up and drink them dry. Every time it happened, he would mourn for longer than the relationship had been. Every time, he'd come back to me, weeping. Nash, Nash, he'd say. And I'd hold him. Of course I would. I'm not that kind of monster, you know? So I told him he had to stop doing this, that this wasn't the way to solve the hurt inside of him and would only ever lead to more hurting. To my surprise, he listened. He told me he was afraid of what I was, of how I loved to be what I am. He was scared that if he stopped proving to himself that it was impossible for him to be with a human lover, he would forget that he was ever human at all and he would... Nej stopped himself then, and I don't know what else happened. I don't know the rest of his thought or what the point of what he was saying was supposed to be because I am a profoundly idiotic creature and I cannot stop myself, apparently. Nej is right. I'm a fucking animal and a child. I didn't think. I should have thought, but I didn't think. I just fucking did it. I kissed him. He was sitting there, tears in his eyes, so angry, telling me about Casper, Casper who I love, Casper who was still ostensibly my fucking boyfriend. And when Nej had to pause to find the words to explain something to me, I just fucking kissed him, you know, like an idiot. And he just, he was so still for a moment. Then his hands were on my shoulders. He pushed me back, stood up, and left the room. And I fucking wept like an infant I wept and wept and wept I cried so much it fucking hurt me my eyes hurt my face hurt my teeth hurt I cried so much so hard that Nej came back he didn't say a word he just held me he just fucking 
held me in his lap and stroked my hair and... Fuck, I'm pathetic. I'm stupid and pathetic and I hate myself. Jesus. And he's back. Great. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to have this conversation. Shit. I should go back inside. Sitting here on the step was a mistake. I should go back inside. Ugh. Nej. Nej. Your teeth. Oh my god, they've knocked out your teeth. Oh baby, what happened? So sorry, fuck. What do I do? Tell me what to do. Don't speak French good enough. Come on, let me help you, please. Fucking. Oh, wait. Let me give you my blood. No, no. Let me help you, please. Please. Uh-huh. Shh. It's okay. It's okay. Drink. I've got you. I'm so sorry. What happened? I'm so sorry. Take all you need. It's okay. That was incredibly reckless. You are so new. It would not have taken much to send you into a frenzy. I trust you not to take too much. Perhaps unwise, but I am flattered nonetheless. Ivor, I will not take any more from you. But, are you healed? I have my teeth, that will do for now, but I need more blood. Look in the car in the back. Okay, okay! Fucking hell. There's a guy in here. There's a guy. He did this. What? That man did this to me. I see. No, 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 no. Okay, please, come to me, come to me. Oh, Mahala. Please, please, listen to me. I'm going to kill him. You're not going to kill this man. I brought him because... Uh, I need to kill him. Monka, Monka. Hush, come to me, come back to me. Don't kill him. You do not want to kill him. I brought him here because he did this to me. Because I think he knows about the place where they have taken Casper. He knew what he was doing. He knew how to take down a vampire efficiently. The other friend. The friend is dead. I broke his neck. He's in the passenger seat. Oh shit. I went to York this evening. I knew there was an half-mate, as you called him, nearby. I was tracking it down when I realized I was not the only one who had come to watch. I recognize the scent of this man. They have been around before when I have inspected the scenes of victims, and also in the mortuary at La Hospital at work. Fuck. You think... You think they've got something to... You think they did this to Cass? What they did to you? Regardez-moi, mon petit. I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. Tu vas si bien. Très bien. Don't kill the man. Why didn't you kill them both, Nash? Because he might be able to tell us what they did to Casper. They might be able to... Wait, Mon Petit, look out! Mon Petit! Okay, can you hear me? Stop, you're going to kill the man. Okay, Monker, 
our feet. Can you hear me? You're not ready for this. Listen to me. It's okay. It's going to be all right. She's dead, Nash. This is going to be okay. It is all going to be okay. Nash, I didn't, I didn't mean shh, to. Shh, Dakar. I didn't, I didn't mean it. I have you. I didn't mean to. Shh, shh, shh. I killed him. I killed him. I killed him. I killed him. I know. I know, Mon amour. I know. I didn't mean I it, Nash. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I promise. I promise.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.